Hello and welcome to Driving Discussions Europe. In this series, we discuss the forces that affect road fields globally. Driving Discussions is brought to you by Argos Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. In the uh, last podcast, we focused on the impact of the sanctions in the freight market as well as in the change of destination of the Russian diesel outflows. And of course, we touched upon the weak European demand. In this podcast, we will give you an update of the diesel market, what to expect of it in the second half of the year. And we will talk as well about the impact of the sanctions in the vacuum gas oil or VGO market, a product which is a relevant feedstock for the uh, refineries. My name is Alfonso Barocal, European Business Development Manager for Oil Products at Argus Media. And we have here today with us Benedict George, European Associate Editor of Oil Products, and Georgie McCartney, Products and Video Reporter. Good morning, Georgie and Benedict. Hi, Alfonso. Good morning. Hey, hello. Thank you for for being here. Uh, Benedict, what is the current situation of the European diesel demand and stock levels? Well, demand is still very low in Europe, or comparatively low, and stock levels, although they are coming down, are still higher than they were in the summer and the autumn of last year. So low demand and comparatively high stock levels are both bearish factors that are alleviating, has been alleviating the challenge that the EU and the UK have taken on in excluding diesel coming from Russia. Most importantly, demand has been very poor for the last six months or so. French diesel deliveries were still 8% down year on year in May. In Spain, Total gas oil, which is mainly diesel consumption, was down by 11% year on year in April. In the UK, gas oil demand, again, mostly diesel, was down by 16% year on year in April. So demand has been very poor. The low demand mostly reflects continuing weakness in industrial activity around Europe. The Eurozone, of course, officially declared a recession with negative GDP growth in Q4 and Q1. It may be uh, still in that situation now. We don't have the GDP data for Q2 yet. Eurozone manufacturing PMIs, purchasing managers indexes, have even more remarkably perhaps shown continuous contraction since last summer, every month contraction. Um, And in, in May, the contraction appeared the steepest since 2020, when the pandemic was, of course, devastating industrial activity. So industrially and in a kind of broader economic sense, Europe is in a poor condition at the moment. And that has a heavy impact on diesel demand because diesel is the dominant fuel of industrial and commercial vehicles, trucks and so forth. There is a small structural component as well in the decline of diesel demand. Over the years, gradually, consumers are moving away from diesel and towards gasoline and electric vehicles. 
hybrid vehicles tend to be hybrid gasoline vehicles, for example. So we do, before the war in Ukraine, before the pandemic, we were already seeing a kind of gradual decline in diesel demand, but it is only gradual. And the biggest component of the weakness of demand now does appear to be the recession, a cyclical factor. In other words, that is not probably going to be permanent. And most of the diesel traders I talk to don't expect that this is a permanent decline in European diesel demand. It will probably recover at some point to some extent. On stock levels, they have been depleted heavily since the sanctions banned Russian diesel in early February, but they're not yet anywhere near as low as they were last year. And that reflects how quickly and extensively diesel stockpiles were built up in Europe over the winter. The stockpiles had fallen very low last year because high natural gas prices made diesel very expensive to produce. So between late 2021 and late 2022, given that diesel was expensive to produce, traders had an incentive to use up what they had in storage instead of making new diesel. And that balance pushed those stock levels to the lowest in a decade in, in many places. Then in the winter, European traders began to get worried about the in the uh, upcoming sanctions on Russian diesel, worried about the potential shortage that was expected potentially to, to hit Europe after that. And traders began to build up stockpiles as quickly as they could. China at the same time was exporting much more diesel than usual because the Chinese government had, had uh, increased the quotas that it gave to its companies that limited the diesel that they could export. So China over the winter was exporting around six times as much diesel as it normally would. So Asia became very oversupplied with diesel and this diesel started making its way into Europe where traders were frantically putting it away in tanks to prepare for sanctions. So the result was an extremely rapid increase in stock levels and that layer of stocks from the winter has not yet been used up. So both on the demand and the stock level side, Europe is now in a weaker position than it was last year in the sense that both of those things are more bearish now for prices than they were last year. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Benedict. And it, it seems then that, as you mentioned, uh, the combination of weak demand and the uh, withdrawal of the stocks um, is somehow palliating the uh, lack of Russian diesel in Europe. And there is another product that um, we want to talk about in this podcast, which as well obviously has has uh, an impact uh, because of the lack of, of Russian availability of this product, which is the VGO. Um, uh, Georgie, uh, Russian VGO has been a regular feedstock for European and, and American refineries. How are these refineries balancing in the absence of Russian VGO cargos? So European and American refineries have been historically short VGO as both have relatively complex and optimized refineries. So not enough VGO is produced through CDU runs. 
whereas Russia typically has much more rudimentary refineries, so they were generally structurally or continue to be long VGO. Um, so a lot is produced there, but they don't necessarily have the units to process it. So this was the traditional flow of VGO. Russia produced it and the US and Europe bought it. That was the expected typical normal flow. So now, of course, less VGO enters the block. Um, so looking at from around March 2022, when refineries began self-sanctioning against Russian product to February 23, when the EU obviously formally banned uh, Russian products, um, imports of VGO into the block dropped to just 97,000 barrels per day, down from 174,000 in the same period in, 20, in 2021 to 2022, so pre-war and pre-sanctions. Um, so losing Russian product is very difficult for Europe. There was a steady stream of readily available 30 kT cargoes coming in from the Baltic. So there was ample supply discharging from handy sized vessels, which obviously the vast majority of refinery ports can accept. And like now with Aframax sized vessels, which we see more of, which I'll go into in a minute. So there are several ways that European refineries appear to be coping with the loss of Russian product. One, uh, traders have quite recently um, been saying that they're seeing like refineries maybe working to internally balance their units and look to optimize their VGO production with um, consumption. However, Europe has been historically short VGO, so it's unclear to what extent this is the case. Um, but refineries are at least quite likely to be attempting to optimize more than they were before, um, back when affordable and available Russian volumes were the most economic option. Uh, but now, of course, this is not the case. Um, another way in which Europe is coping with the loss is uh, with Saudi Arabia and India to an extent plugging this supply gap um, for high sulfur VGO. So Aramco's Jizam refinery has been releasing a pretty steady flow of Afras into Europe since the war began last February. Uh, the majority of these volumes go to Portugal, to Galp's Sines refinery. And traders have said that this is kind of likely the case because the VGO that Jizam produces has a high sulfur content that most refineries in Europe are not configured to process. So Galp is the main buyer here. Uh, Reliance um, in India has also sent some volumes to Europe, uh, but much less frequently than Jizam. Um, so one of the main issues with the Saudi uh, to Europe flow, other than, of course, that only a handful of refineries can actually process it, is that a second hydrocracker is due to come online at Jizan any time now. And kind of broad market consensus is that once this unit is online, the refineries so Jizan will no longer export VGO or at least much, much smaller volumes as it will be consuming it to produce more valuable ultra low sulfur diesel, which will then be exported into Europe instead as a more valuable product than VGO. Um, another issue with this flow is that volumes are only readily available in Aframax ships. Um, I guess, of course, it makes sense in terms of the distance they are traveling. So looking at around 70 to 80 kT, which is not ideal for many refineries, especially when we consider that all of these refineries were receiving handymax ships from Russia, so around like 30 kT. Um, another way in which European refineries are coping, and this is only relevant to a few players in the market, um, some companies have been keeping VGO in storage. Uh, this is less sort of simple to judge the full impact, um, but we have seen majors offering volumes out of these storage facilities 
not receiving the bids they were hoping for, and then opting to keep product in storage. So this could kind of be distorting the outlook of what's really available. Um, and traders have also said that uh, players were also taking this option when road fuel cracking margins were weaker earlier this year, um, which of course also pressures um, feedstock values in turn. And with the, the backwardation between the Brent contracts, which is the underlying contract against which VGO is priced as a differential, was very narrow. So players were willing to kind of take the loss in rolling their stock as the losses made on the backwardation were hopefully to be offset by gains in road fuel cracks, which of course would in turn drive fee stock values. Most recently, obviously, we see Brent in Contango. So this makes storing products potentially even more attractive now and could be an additional reason for low liquidity. But again, this is quite uh, uncertain. Um, finally, one of the ways in which European refineries have been able to um, cope is, of course, refinery maintenance causing imbalances anyway. So this is, of course, we can see, um, for example, if a hydro cracker goes offline, then we may see an uptick in available high sulfur VGO. Uh, or for low sulfur VGO, if an FCC goes offline, then we may see more available low sulfur VGO. But of course, refineries cannot rely on this supply as it's, of course, very sporadic and unpredictable. Thanks, uh, Georgie. Um, you already mentioned the um, the importance of the uh, road fuel cracks uh, in the uh, in the flows of VGO as well as the uh, the the crude uh, curve structure. Uh, how this change in the flow is affecting actually the VGO spreads? So low sulfur VGO typically prices at a premium to high sulfur VGO, um, and for context, low sulfur VGO is typically used as a feedstock in an FCC to produce gasoline and high sulfur VGO is typically a feedstock for hydrocrackers to produce predominantly diesel, but also some jet and a little bit of gasoline. Um, so this means that low sulfur VGO, yeah, is typically at a premium because it produces broadly and typically a more valuable product, um, gasoline rather than diesel. Um, in addition, of course, low sulfur VGO can be pulled into the very low sulfur fuel oil blending pool um, for marine fuels. Um, so as a result, even if the gasoline cracks falter, low sulfur VGO can be pulled into this VLSFO pool, whereas high sulfur VGO doesn't really have a second outlet in this way. Um, in terms of how the high-low spread, so the difference between the two grades of VGO has uh, kind of changed, so the spread was broadly quite steady until around the last quarter of 2022. And um, this is where VGO starts to converge um, with what Benedict was saying in terms of what was going on in the diesel market at this time. Um, so when it became quite clear that the EU would ban Russian oil products and when companies had already started opting to self-sanction earlier in the year anyway, um, diesel values in Europe uh, soared in this period. And then, of course, players were scrambling for available barrels in advance of the ban, um, which would ultimately cut off a huge amount of Europe's diesel supply. So while diesel values were shooting up, uh, at the same time, gasoline values uh, were pretty weak. So as a result, high-low spread for VGO averaged around $1.50 for most of winter last year. Um, and of course, high soft VGO gained value as European refiners ultimately looking to profit from this perceived massive short in European diesel. 
Um, but what happened next, as Benedict was saying, was um, considerable oversupply of diesel in Europe. Um, what happened then was gasoline uh, began making quite significant gains while diesel was falling, and this widened the high-low spread quite dramatically. So in February and March, the spread, uh, the high-low spread averaged more than $6, and in March hit a record at $7. So the spread has now settled to around $2 per barrel, um, with gasoline and diesel values not so extremely divergent at this time. And of course, with both grades of VGO equally hard to come by at present. Thank you, uh, George. Super interesting. Um, and now, just to to wrap up the uh, podcast, um, Benedict. Uh, um, despite despite entering into July, the the diesel prices remain lower than they were for most of uh, 2022. Um, what do you think are the market supply demand expectations? towards uh, this second half of the year, particularly uh, uh, once the winter uh, settles in? Well, firstly, I think that Europe is now in a new pattern. The European diesel market now has a new pattern to it, which is that traders say that tightness is hitting the market in waves, basically, because Europe is now highly dependent on supply from the Middle East and from India. So those origins are accounting for most of the diesel that Europe, or I should say the EU and the UK, are importing, whereas it used to be Russia providing most of it. The key difference is that the suppliers in the Middle East and India, like Saudi Aramco and Reliance and so forth, they have a variety of competitive demand outlets to choose from. So they can send their diesel to East Africa, to Southeast Asia, to Australia, and Europe is one of the places they can send their diesel to. Russian supply, by contrast, always used to come to Europe under almost any conditions because Europe had an unassailable geographical advantage over any other buyers. So now most of the EU and the UK's imports are only coming if the price is right. So when the price is right, lots of these cargoes are loading, and then a month later, lots of these cargoes arrive in Europe because they can take up to a month or so to make the journey. They arrive in Northwest Europe, and as lots of them arrive, the European price drops, and then the economics don't make sense anymore to load the cargoes, so then there's a lull in loadings, and then a month later there are hardly any cargoes arriving, so then the price rises again. So Europe is now in this kind of cycle where it alternately has a month of, I mean, more or less roughly a month of high arrivals and then a month of low arrivals, and the price goes up and down according to whether these cargoes are arriving or not. It's a kind of feedback loop. And at the moment, we're in a tight spot where there are not very many cargoes arriving because the price was not right a month or two ago. Now the price is right. So traders say that by late July, there are going to be a lot of cargoes arriving in Europe. And then probably the price will then be pushed down and the cycle will begin again. The second thing to point out, though, is that the European market is trending towards a tighter situation. That may mean the baseline average price rises, not only the price, but the premium for diesel against crude, diesel spread against other products. 
it may also mean that over time the price spikes that we see such as we've had over the last month or so as you say the one in the last month has not been that severe compared with what we saw last year when the market was extremely uncertain about what sanctions were going to look like and so on the latest price spike is quite tame compared with that but these price spikes may get bigger and more frequent so the reasons why this market is trending towards a tighter situation partly related to the recovery of demand which as i said nobody knows when that will happen and nobody knows how much demand will come back when it comes back but the problem with demand at the moment appears to be recessionary a cyclical effect not for the most part a structural effect so there probably will be a recovery of demand at some point that will tend to tighten the market stock levels are trending downwards over time gradually returning towards the levels they were at last year the closer they get to those levels the tighter the market will get the more frequent price spikes should get um and also as you alluded to winter will probably be a much tighter point for the european diesel market now actually for several different reasons winter will be tight um a big one is that the refineries in the middle east and india are not accustomed to producing diesel that has strong enough cold properties to meet european winter specifications particularly the german winter specifications um even if those refineries in the middle east and india can produce enough european german winter spec diesel it will be more expensive for them to do that so for example one way they can do that is by channeling more of their jet fuel into the diesel blend because jet fuel kerosene has stronger cold properties but this is expensive for them to do um it's a change because russian russian refineries used to produce diesel with very strong cold properties all year round and it was never a problem the diesel that came from russia would always meet the german specifications that will be a problem going forward the russian diesel only got banned in february so we did we kind of missed this problem this time around the eu whether this was planned or not to have this effect the eu sanctions allowed europe to continue using russian diesel over the winter um so traders anticipate there will be a problem next winter additionally if the winter is cold if the win last winter was especially relatively warm but if this winter is cold then more gas oil will need to go towards the heating oil market in Europe which will take gas oil away from the diesel oil from the diesel pool and reduce diesel supply supporting prices and if the winter is cold natural gas is likely to get more expensive because heating demand and so forth will be higher and natural gas is an indirect component in the diesel production process so higher natural gas prices raise diesel production costs and make diesel more expensive as well and thirdly uh the winter is likely to be the point at which demand has has recovered to some extent over the next 6 or 7 months and the point at which inventories will have fallen faller than they are today so traders now have their eye on winter as the possible crisis point for european diesel going forward okay um Thank you Benedict and it seems that uh, we will have um a fascinating uh, winter in front of us um definitely to um 
Europe needs to find uh, those molecules uh, which are not Russian, and obviously this will be the first full winter. The Europe needs to cope with that, so it seems very. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Um, so thank you very much, uh, Georgie and Benedict, for <clears throat> your insights uh, and coming to to this podcast. Um, and if the if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to tune in for other episodes in your series, Drive Discussions Europe. And for more information on Argus Global Refined Products coverage, please visit uh, argusmedia.com slash oil dash products. Stay safe and see you next time. Bye.